Hello, and welcome to the Health in Europe podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bianchi. We've launched this podcast to bring you the latest on WHA's work in the European region. Our region is broad and diverse, from the Mid-Atlantic, stretching as far as the Chinese border, we work with fascinating and driven individuals and groups. This podcast is about hearing their stories and how it might impact your day-to-day life. The start of the COVID-19 pandemic saw travel restrictions put into place around the world. As countries sought to make sense of the virus, international travel was brought to a sudden stop. While for many this has been a challenge, for example being separated from loved ones, for others the measures had a serious impact on their health, particularly if they were unable to access treatment. One notable example affected migrant workers who were living with HIV and suddenly found themselves unable to access the treatment they needed to live their lives. But access to healthcare among migrants is a broader issue, with a wide range of structural factors such as language barriers, confusing registration procedures, concerns over engaging with authorities, and even the stigma meaning that migrants may not seek healthcare even when they're entitled to it. Dr Alex Schneider works with the NGO Life for Me Plus. They seek to educate people about HIV AIDS, tuberculosis and hepatitis C while also offering support. During the pandemic, they played an important role in ensuring that hundreds of people with HIV were able to access the treatment they needed. I started by asking Alex more about the work being done by Life for Me Plus. We have founded uh, our organization uh, uh, four years ago, or three years ago, I think four years ago already. (laughs) And it was the idea because uh, we wanted to to use uh, um, e-health to support people living with HIV. So at that time, we have developed the application, Life for Me Plus, for people living with HIV. We have released this application to the all countries in the world. So, and it was 2017 and start via eHealth support people living with HIV. And this is support, it's like a broadly support. Sometimes we, we, we just have a, I don't know, conversation and support as a pre-consulter because people have many questions and would like to speak exactly with the, uh, the same person who also uh, has HIV or positive status. And um, sometimes it's um, questions about um, treatment, for example, like now uh, during the COVID, or sometimes it's a, a general question in a governmental system that people don't, doesn't have, a, for example, access to the treatments. And here we also make an advocacy work. People with HIV may often face stigma, but with early testing and the right treatment, they can continue to live life almost as before. I asked Alex how important this treatment is for people living with HIV. It's very important because um, treatment, this is exactly uh, means life for the people living with HIV. So you, nowadays, it's uh, since 1996, we have the treatment. We have a different uh, kind of uh, uh, medication. This is a good because uh, each body is different and it's important to have a treatment which exactly fits to you without any side effects. And after that, if you get treatment and get your viral load undetectable, so you, you can live the same life as you would not have HIV. So now we know how important these treatments are for people living with HIV. What are the reasons why people might find themselves unable to access treatment? It's, uh, we need to uh, maybe to define uh, sometimes you have a problem with access to treatment because it's a governmental problem in some countries because uh, 
financial problem and um, of course uh, in, uh, in accordance with the guidelines everybody should get uh, treatment immediately after he or she get HIV or positive status but in some countries they they see that they don't have an enough budget and they start, okay, let's wait a little bit before your uh, CD4 account will be lower as a 250 and so on. But in, uh, in, in many countries, of course, if you have a HIV positive status, you can get uh, a treatment. But then we have uh, the second side of, of the problem that it's a stigma. Stigma and discrimination and uh, people, they have a fear to get First of all, to get to to, to get tested uh, on HIV, and secondly, after that they got HIV positive status, to get to the uh, uh, to to doctor to get the therapy because because fear, just fear and stigma. The problem in general we still have with the, with the migrants because uh, we have a first of all we have a stigma because of migrants. It's like if you're migrant, it's first of all you are migrant, so it's already a stigma. And then you HIV positive, so it's a double stigma. And then, for example, you are woman, it's a three times stigma. So it's like um, so many label uh, are putting to the, to the people. And at, at the end, we have really a, a person with just clothes, doesn't say something. And uh, this can really lead to the, uh, some diseases, depression, and even to the, to the death. In addition to these general issues of access, the COVID-19 pandemic and associated travel restrictions meant that many people with HIV suddenly found themselves unable to access treatment which allowed them to live their lives. I asked Alex how Life for Me Plus was able to provide support. Yes, exactly. I, I explained now uh, about uh, access to treatment in general, but COVID-19 is a different story and during COVID-19 we have seen many other problems which appear, which exist before, but now during the pandemic APR and rise, uh, um, rise on. And during the COVID-19, um, we have seen, first of all, that many tourists, because of lockdown, stuck in, in the countries where they have, a, for example, vacation or have been there because of work. It was in March 2020. And we start to, to help these people because not everybody could come back to the, to, to, to the country, to the home country. And um, yeah, this work we have done, we help uh, people to get therapy. And then in April and May, we start to get more and more requests, but from people who lives in, in abroad and works there. So migrants, so working migrants, because it was for us also very, um, very surprising that people work in the country, uh, pay all taxes, have insurance, but they have a so big fear and stigma and, and, uh, and um, discrimination in, in, inside that they don't go to the doctor and they always take medication from their home country just for, for example, three months. So they just fly or go by bus. And during lockdown, no one can, can move from the country. And uh, of course, these problems um, come out. And uh, we start to talk with this, all of these migrants and explain that, look, at, you live in this country, you pay taxes, you, can, you may have here also access to treatment. And, um, you know, it's, it's always the, 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 the um, consultation work and support work because 
people don't understand uh, how uh, the healthcare system, for example, in Poland or in, in, in Germany work. And I remember in, in my country, it was like a big house with a big letters AIDS center and they need to go there. And you know, if I go, everybody will see in my small, small town. So, and you need to know it's not the case. This is case of, 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 of your home country, but here, uh, you can go just to the family doctor. You can explain to the family doctor what's what's the problem you have, and so on, and so on. And uh, this is like it takes a time, but we we could help all of migrants. It was uh, almost uh, three hundred people who asked us to help them. And um, of course, sometimes it goes very quickly. Sometimes you need the time because uh, I mean this fear it's so strong sometimes, and you need to. You need to bring people um, some examples, uh, bring people to think exactly what you what you say. And uh, but we, we we could help. And uh, now all, all of these migrants uh, get their therapy in the country where they work. So this example shows the issues that migrants can face in accessing healthcare, particularly associated with stigma. Dr. Elizabeth Wagenson is a technical officer at the Migration and Health Team at WHO's Regional Office for Europe. She explains how migrants were affected during the COVID-19 pandemic. So the travel disruptions and the border closures that we saw particularly early on in the uh, pandemic have affected many migrant workers in the WHO European region. Um, they had to face economic hardships uh, such as job loss or wage reductions because of the pandemic. And many migrant workers uh, tend to stay in overcrowded accommodation as well where they lack personal protective equipment or PPEs. And they may be subject to pressure from employers to stay uh, employed and keep working despite conditions that don't allow for physical distancing, for example. In fact, many migrant workers are a crucial part of the workforce in many sectors, um, including those ensuring essential health services during the pandemic, such as healthcare, transport, construction, agriculture, and what is known as agri-food processing. And these are so-called key workers uh, contributing to the economy and well-being of societies, even in these challenging times. And they themselves have limited or no access to healthcare services, and they sometimes lack linguistically or culturally appropriate health information also about their rights to healthcare. So access to uh, essential medicines and healthcare services should be universal, which is why universal health uh, coverage is one of the three core priorities set out in the WHO's uh, European program of work, which puts a strong emphasis on leaving no one behind, including refugees and migrants. But what about other concerns, for example, financial barriers or fears of engaging with authorities or employers? Particularly those employed in temporary or informal or unprotected work, may be reluctant to seek uh, medical attention because of the expense of medical care, uh, out-of-pocket costs, or the fear of deportation uh, due to registration at healthcare facilities. And on top of all that is the stigmatization and discrimination that we tend to see not only in refugees and migrants, but also people living with HIV AIDS, of course. They may feel uh, reluctant to inform their employers uh, of their condition due to the social stigma, uh, often associated with their condition. And when we bear in mind that COVID-19 poses a greater risk to patients with chronic diseases, including immunodeficiency uh, conditions like AIDS, this is particularly troubling for us. So it's clear that migrants face a wide range of issues when it comes to accessing healthcare. But what can we do to address these gaps? I wanted to get Alex's perspective. 
I mean, it's good that we ask WHO and during uh, WHO connection, we could find some stock of medication which we can get as a donation from WHO and spread to the, to the, to the patient. But, you know, it's, it was like a um, first time, but we need to find uh, some guidelines, I would say, how in such a cases we need to cooperate and uh, be really fast because people need medication really immediately, not just in, in two, three months. So we should really be united, not just united in, uh, on the paper, but united also in, in the actions which uh, some countries start to, uh, to do it, that we need to um, do it in, in common. And I, I hope that we, together, uh, our work together with WHO, we are going to, uh, for the next year, we are going to make a big uh, stakeholders uh, meeting uh, where we want to uh, invite WHO, of course, UNAIDS, uh, uh, countries, uh, pharmaceuticals industry, um, NGOs, and we want to discuss uh, exactly COVID-19 uh, uh, epidemic to find out how all we together can be prepared for the for the next uh, such a uh, pandemic or or different situations that we need to be just be prepared. Here's what else has been going on in the WHO European region. This week marks International Migrants Day. Migrants across the European region have been deeply affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, but many migrants played a vital role in the health systems that responded to the crisis. This year, WHO's Regional Director for Europe, Dr Hans Kluger, spoke with a nurse from Belarus who is currently working in St Petersburg. You can see the interview on the WHO Europe website and our social media channels. With the winter holiday season fast approaching, WHO Europe has released advice and guidance for individuals, communities and governments on considerations to stay safe from COVID-19. You can find the guidance on the WHO Europe website, that's euro.who.int. And finally, last week marked Universal Health Coverage Day. This year WHO called on decision makers to invest in health for all, highlighting how COVID-19 has shone a light on the importance of universal health coverage in keeping society safe and better prepared for future health emergencies. That's all we have time for. Thank you to Dr. Alex Schneider of Life For Me Plus and Dr. Elizabeth Farkinson. You can find out more about migrant health on the WHO Europe website, that's euro.who.int, and on our social media channels. This episode was presented by me, Greg Bianchi. Thanks for listening, and until next time, stay safe and stay healthy.